0: Welcome back to Bibliography, a podcast for people who love a good-to-be-read list. I'm David Kern here at Goldberry Books in Concord, North Carolina, and this is a conversation show about the way books make our lives richer. This week's guest is David McCloskey, whose new novel, Damascus Station, was one of my favorite books of 2021. If you know me, you know I love spy novels, a genre which Damascus Station fits firmly into, but... Even in a genre I love, this is a book which far surpasses most books of its kind. It stood out in a big way. Part of this is no doubt because McCloskey, as a former CIA analyst, knows what he's talking about. While at the CIA, he wrote regularly for the president's daily brief, delivered classified testimony to congressional oversight committees, and briefed senior White House officials, ambassadors, military officials, and Arab royalty. He worked in CIA field stations across the Middle East throughout the Arab Awakening and conducted a rotation in the Counterterrorism center focused on the jihad in Syria and Iraq. All that to say, McCloskey comes by his knowledge, honestly. But what's so remarkable is how gifted he is as a storyteller and right out of the shoot, so to speak. In fact, Damascus Station was a finalist for the 2022 ITW Thriller Award for Best First Novel. Now here's the setup of the book. CIA case officer Sam Joseph is dispatched to Paris to recruit Syrian palace official Miriam Haddad. The two fall into a forbidden relationship, which supercharges Haddad's recruitment and creates danger when they enter Damascus to find the man responsible for the disappearance of an American spy. But the cat-and-mouse chase for the killer soon leads to a trail of high-profile assassinations and the discovery of a dark secret at the heart of the Syrian regime, bringing the pair under the all-seeing eyes of Assad's spy catcher Ali Hassan, and his brother Rustam, the head of the feared Republican Guard set against the backdrop of a Syria pulsing with fear and rebellion, Damascus Station is a gripping thriller that offers a textured portrayal of espionage, love, loyalty, and betrayal in one of the most difficult CIA assignments on the planet. David McCloskey was kind enough to sit down with me recently to talk about some of our favorite spy novels, and of course, what it's like writing a spy novel fresh off his own career in that world. I really enjoyed chatting with him, and added a slew of great spy novels to my to-be-read list. Hope you will, too. Here's our conversation. All right, well, I always start with this question. I ask everybody this first. Do you remember the first time that you really fell in love with a book, like, kind of, like, turned your world upside down? You could be four, or you could be 34.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, so I think my my answer would be sort of maybe embarrassing both on the content and on the timing. So I was... (laughs) relatively old, I guess. I've been a pretty avid reader or an avid reader for, for all of my life. But I think the, the answer is that when I was probably a senior in high school, my dad gave me William Manchester's A World Lit Only by Fire for Christmas, I think. And it was, it's a nonfiction book, which I think has been largely like sort of scorned or debunked by medieval scholars uh i'm pretty sure manchester like any i think he admits to this you're like, picking oh, just... you're
0: picking some fights here with the scholars
1: yeah exactly, exactly. i don't, don't want to weigh like wade into sort of you know medieval history controversies but yeah, yeah. Uh, anyhow i mean you know putting that aside like i just i, I think i literally read the book in a night the power hmm had gone out in our house actually for a period. And so I literally Mm. did read a world that only by fire parts of it, just by like candlelight (laughs) in my house. That's a, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I just, I, I recommended the book to everybody, you know, I've read it probably three or four times since, and it's just Mm. this pretty beautiful chronicle of a world that was tipping from the dark ages to the Renaissance and the Reformation and what that was like and what it, you know, what it felt like in the world of ideas and power and what it was like to be a normal person. I just, I I couldn't get enough of it. So that's, you know, for a spy novelist, I don't have a spy novel story like that. I mean, I read lots of spy novels as a kid and loved them, but that was probably the first time where I was like, it was an addictive Mm. experience and you couldn't pull me away from the pages.
0: Well, I mean, I want to talk about spy novels here in a second. It's like, we yeah. got to do that. That would be weird if we didn't yes. talk about spy that be, novels. That would be strange. Yeah. But so, you you know, you you say you, you read when you were a kid. Did you grow up in a house that was like, you're all book fans? Like, it was a bookish house. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, my dad was... He, he worked at a, a missionary organization called... What was then called Canvas Crusade for Christ. It's now called Crew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he um, was in the process for a lot of my younger years of getting his PhD. Okay. Um, and, and he had written a book, he's written several books since. And so it was kind of this thing of like, he was always reading Mm -hmm. and we would go to libraries, we'd go to bookstores. It was like a normal thing for him to take me to Barnes and Noble, which was Mm -hmm. the closest bookstore to our house. And just kind of like look around, you know, get a bunch of books, put them on the table, get a coffee, like sift through them. Yeah, you know that that was like a very normal thing. I've like I since have realized that for many people that's not a normal experience, uh, but for me growing yeah. up, that's that's what I did. And he would always give me like Christmas gifts were always at least like half books. You know, it was always stuff to read, and so yeah. um, it was very much like part of the fabric of the house, and and it just felt felt very normal. And it was all kinds of. I, I think probably earlier in my life it was a lot of nonfiction, but then. Um, you know, a lot of spy novels and a lot of fiction started to get threaded into. So
0: were you into spy novels before you became a spy, before you, I don't know, do you consider yourself a spy? I don't know. Before you worked um, in that uh, world?
1: No, the, so the verbiage, the verbiage is important here, right? Spook? And it's, it's, al- it's always, uh, or, or 99% of the time screwed up. So <laughs> the spy is the foreigner who provides yeah. the secret, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, the American is the case officer. I was not a case officer. I was an analyst, Got two it. different job descriptions. Um, but that's always, they, that always gets, yeah always gets screwed up. Uh, but I, but I read, I read a lot of spy stuff before I, before I joined the CIA actually, when I was at the CIA, it was probably a period of my life where I was reading almost no spy novels. at all. <laughs> Um, is it because, because they were realistic
0: or are you just like, it was too close to home yeah, or. I
1: think, I think no, no, no it, it, not realistic enough. And you kind of, you get in there and then you realize, Hey, this isn't at all. Like any spy fiction, like doesn't, it's not even close to what it's actually like. And for whatever reason, at that point in my life, that kind of mattered to me. And so it made it harder to enjoy those books. Cause you'd get five pages in and then you'd say, well, that would never happen. You know, and, and you kind of get wrapped around the axle about that. And so it kind of robs some of the enjoyment of that. But once since I've left, I, I've been able to actually just enjoy the storytelling and the way that the genre can speak to human nature and be exciting yeah. at the same time and all that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've gotten over that stupidity. But
0: <laughs> I have some friends, close friends that we get together, watch movies a lot. And they all work, uh, well, not all, but a lot of them work in um like... What for the lack of just for the sake of conversation, we'll call it the tech world. Like one guy works yeah. in banking, but he designs software to track money laundering. And okay. so like you'll watch a movie about a crime movie or something, or or like a you know, like a spy movie, and like they're doing something on their computer and you know it's just like enhance, enhance, we him, you know. <laughs> and they're like yeah. it would never he's work. Like, that uh, way. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I find I don't know. I, I find with that stuff like there, there there's some spy fiction that you're just kind of like why didn't you guys just talk to somebody who was on the inside you know like you could have without changing anything in the plot you could have made this feel more like you knew yeah. what you were talking about and they just tried. Yeah. not try that's the kind of stuff that can you be simple, more specific like
0: like what something you're i mean don't like throw an author <laughs> under the bus but like the kind of thing that you that would debug you or bugs you I mean, is it like re- interpersonal relationship stuff, like the kind of conversations people would have? Is it like gadgety stuff that you don't doesn't actually happen, but like Ian Fleming put it in a book, so you have to talk about
1: the, it. The, gadget, the gadgety stuff, I don't really care. I don't care so much about because... I mean, I've been discovering this in my own writing. The tech angle to all of this is kind of hard to navigate because you want to focus the stories on the human relationships yeah. and you like to not deal with the tech. At least I, I don't want to deal with the tech at all. Yeah, but you kind of find that to make it realistic, you have to because everyone knows it's out there to some degree. Yeah, and so yeah. there's there's a balance. I don't really fault people for like glossing over the the tech angle to it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. some can do it more artfully than others, but <laughs> you know, yeah, some version of the enhance, enhance, enhance thing. Like, I can kind of get there because I don't really want in a novel the detailed like here's the yeah. you know. I found even as like a 15 year old reading Clancy books, Yeah, you know, I, I was like, man, we've been going on about the way this nuclear bomb works for like six pages. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm ready to be done. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I, but to, I mean, to get to, some, to your question, like, I think as an example without tossing someone out of the bus. Or toss th- someone out of the bus. I think, <laughs> I think there's some, I think there's some basic, I'll just, I'll speak in, in some generalities i think there's some basic well i'll give you an example we talked about earlier referring to cia officers as spies like that doesn't you don't have to do that in a movie to to it doesn't matter for the plot or the storytelling or whatever Yeah. yeah but it signals to people on the inside that like you didn't actually do any thinking about yeah, from the very similitude standpoint. And it's just sort of immediately a turnoff, you know, yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, that's fair. I don't know. I mean, or, or, or just, you know, one thing that I tried to do in the book, at least a little bit, was to hint at the fact that there's actually a massive bureaucracy behind this whole thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. with like rules and procedures and all that kind of stuff. Movies that don't do that or books that don't do that, even a little bit, you're kind of like, yeah. well, let's, I don't know. Let's at just, least nod to it at least nod to it yeah. like once or yeah. twice that there's yeah. some big machine. I know, I know we can't always go back into the machine and no one wants to see, I, I wrote a scene for my current book where the, the person's doing an expense report, you know, and I thought it was funny, but then my wife was like, you can't put this in a book, you know, like, yeah. like this yeah. isn't like, no one wants to read this. It's so not actually good. funny. Yeah. She's, she's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not funny to other people. yeah. Um, but I think some nod to that is like, helpful to you know situate someone in the middle of a system and make it feel a little bit more realistic that's have it. you read mccarran's uh sloth books the slow horses so okay so like you're like the fifth person i figured in all of these who's brought them up and i haven't and okay. i feel terrible about it and they I, just and remind I me of like
0: it. it's all about bureaucracy basically
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and he's got an apple plus series now right yeah you should check it out actually okay. sure you what i, you I you should think. check it out um, I need to read those because uh, literally everyone has recommended recommended them. Um, yeah, because it's, it's the concept basically like like a place they take people who screw up or are burned yeah. out or whatever. And yeah. yeah okay. So ba-
0: you know, like one character, he's like the main guy. Um, he's in training. He's doing a training op, I guess, and he really blows it. And they kind of like send him off, but there's like a reason they send him off, like. I don't want to. I can't say too much about that. He His is more complicated. Then you got one person who like blows a drop or something. And like, okay. you know, there's yeah. spe- like their specific missions. They have each of them kind of has their own specific reason. I think one okay. one of them is like, there's a substance abuse problem, but they can't like kick them completely out. So they send them to this other place. But then they get they, things happen and they end up having to solve something. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, there were their MI5. So it's all, it's not like, international it's like it's all internal
1: to britain yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. they're cool it's just like the whole thing is basically about how they're being hampered by them their own issues but also by the bureaucracy okay it's kind of like
1: i would i would i would enjoy that i would enjoy that now i I don't know
0: maybe still maybe it still plays with plays with little fast and loose with the facts but
1: well i'm sure i'm sure it does but you know the the best stuff in this genre can like lay some amount of groundwork for the very similitude and get you to th- yeah. get you to think that the author knows enough about what they're because t- you haven't you haven't called bs and it's also not a training manual you know it's yeah. some <laughs> some yeah. balance between
0: between those two things. <laughs> so when you're writing like right now you're working on a new novel when you were writing damascus yeah. station where are you are you having to like you're like taking your John le Carré books and you're like putting them in the other room or do you want to be Im- immersed in like the world of espionage fiction? Like you don't mind reading Ian Fleming while you're working on something or you is it like, I'm just going to read Westerns and romances
1: now. <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely read it while I'm writing for okay. sure. I think it, uh, I kind of see it, um, as nourishment in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. I read a lot of other things, uh, outside the genre too but I feel like I've always got to be studying what others are doing and, and learning from it. You know, I mean, even, even some, you know, stuff in the genre that I, again, without like naming names, might not really like sometimes if it sells a lot of copies or I'll read it just to kind of see like, okay, well, how does this person, how do they move plot forward? How do they deal with, you know, the tech stuff? Like there's all kinds of, yeah. How do you uh, write an action scene? (laughs) How do you write an act? Like, there's all kinds of things that I'm always trying to learn. And so I feel like I've always got three or four books open on my nightstand, you know, probably two of which are usually close to the genre. And then there's usually something that's like way out there that yeah. that is unrelated.
0: Are you trying to keep up with like what's coming out? Or are you like you reading Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy again?
1: <laughs> well, I'm back in my... So I'm reading right now on my nightstand. I've got Le Carré's Russia House open.
0: Oh, yeah yeah
1: um which I had read when I was probably I don't know a junior in high school or something like that mm-hmm. and I haven't been back to it since so it's it feels like it's new um yeah so I've got look's Russia house I've got um, an arc I'm reading of a new Don Bentley book uh, who he writes with like under the the Clancy genre but then he's got his own stuff. So it's like a very kind of pure action thing and then I've got hmm. Anthony Doors all the Light we cannot see which okay. I haven't read and I'm probably the only human on the planet who hasn't read it uh, but I got that open right now too <laughs> yeah so um
0: do you, you were you may mention Russia House do you view like where do you view like like in the like canon of you know espionage fiction he's kind of a godfather for a lot of people um, right. and I mean if you don't love his work you know, we oh, can discuss I why. because So, for yeah. you to so like, he's the one who you look to as your guy, like guiding light, like the reason you want you do this, or
1: no, 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 not not that. I mean, so I have you seen um Tim Shipman's? Are you on the Spyberry Spy like Facebook group or whatever? There's a, there's a I'm not, but I know about this. <laughs> okay, have I guess. Seen I should... this list? I don't know. Tim Shipman did. He did. He did it's... a list of like. I, I, I'm gonna. Make up the number, but it's not going to be far off. It was like the top like 170 spy novelists. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. okay. In,
1: in order, but not just the name, like paragraphs written about each. Oh wow! Okay. And an explanation of why they fell in that part of the list. Okay. And shout out to him, man. It's, That's it's phenomenal. I mean, it's crazy. Like the guy put tons of time into it, and he's read everything, and he has he put La Correa as number one. Um, which I don't think is a controversial opinion, and it's probably one that I would second, or at least not openly disagree with. But I mean, the sheer the volume
0: about- books that he wrote makes it hard to argue. Like so many of them are are pretty good, pretty good, and then several of them are like classics.
1: Right, right, and and he, you know, I, I guess I kind of see Le Carre as somebody who was a phenomenal novelist who happened to write about spies mm. and a wonderful prose, like an incredible prose stylist an incredible constructor of character and setting, you know, his spy craft, as he, I think, admitted on many occasions was kind of like, he didn't really care if he <sighs> got it right, you know, yeah. and he didn't even really try in some books, but, yeah. um, but he dealt so well with the complexities of the of, of the business, and he understood, I think before a lot of us before anyone did, that you could write in the, the, the genre was really a wide, open space to deal with basically all of the human experience mm. and mm. And that's why I love his his stuff. Um, you know, you can kind of knock on him because I don't think he. I think he's got some good action stuff, but like, it's definitely not where he gravitated. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could argue that a lot of his female characters were pretty wooden, although some were not. Yeah, but man, the guy—I mean, it was just—he, I mean, for you know, I—I I think he he really defined the genre, and and it's really hard to find someone who could deal with the with the complexities of the human experience in espionage better than lookerette
0: mm. And he had a—he like, he had his own like cynicism about his experiences yeah. and it, that they kind of like help that add a level a level of you know just complicated complicated I don't know just a complicated level I guess is what I'm saying to them Yeah just- No it, it, well,
1: and this is my I, I think this is sometimes my knock on him is like his books feel very rainy to me both in in the british <laughs> sensibility and then also oh, in yeah. like I do think I, I I don't know what he did when he was in the in the sis right really yeah. I, I think he was in west germany for a while maybe or in switzerland yeah. and he true. must have had a series of very like grim experiences in some way i think that that seemed to have shaped him and i know like um have you ever read a perfect spy yeah. okay so yeah. that book is essentially an autobiography of his yeah. life yeah um and is is wonderful but it, it it paints a picture, I think, of someone who kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, didn't really, I, I think he was, yeah, to your, I mean, to use your word again, like he was quite cynical about the business in a lot of respects. And I think I don't necessarily share that view and think he, for whatever his experiences are or were, um, I, I think the business is maybe a little bit there's definitely shades of gray in it, right? But I think there is, you know, there are good guys and bad guys sometimes. And he kind of didn't... I'm not sure he would have gone quite there, you know? Um, his books rarely had a protag- clear kind of protagonist-antagonist...
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: do you ...perspective to them.
0: Do you think the best spy novels, though, have to have... Sp- have to kind of dwell in that gray area because if it just kind of hangs out in the romance of the job too much, yeah, does yeah, no. get to is that a little bit much? Like, does it does that lose some of the the drama that's kind of inherently there?
1: No, yeah, that's 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 right. I mean, look, I think it's I think the best stuff has interesting characters who want different things, mm. and and through that through that it deals with or deals in a lot of that grayness. Yeah. But for me personally, I think the best stuff also is able to, to balance that moral ambiguity with some amount of moral clarity too. Mm. That's, that's, and that's, that's a personal opinion, right? But for me, there's, there's a real fine balancing act there. And if there's stuff that's too, uh, I'm banging me over the head with the moral clarity between one set of actors and another, You know, I can appreciate it for moving plot forward. I can appreciate it for action. I can appreciate it for whatever, but it's not going to feel as realistic to me as something that's in the muck, but also able to clarify at least a bit that some people are, are, you know, that there are good guys doing bad things and bad guys doing good things, but that there's some amount of, you know, labeling that happens. That's just me.
0: When you're working, in, when you were working on a Damascus Station, and now you're writing this new, the second book, are you, are you conscious of like trying to maintain that sense of moral clarity despite the muck, or is that something that's like maybe you're you just kind of
1: think about it later? I'm more hopeful that it's going to emerge from the characters. Okay. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah, I uh, I've experienced it a little bit on the on the book that I'm working on now, where I kind of tried to bend a certain character a little bit too much one direction hmm. to make her a little bit too much of like a, Hey, she's a good guy. Right. And we can label her a good guy. And it kind of became clear to me as I was writing her scenes, like it's not that cut and dry with her, you know, I mean, like throughout the book, she's doing some good things and some other bad things. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, a, a little bit mucked up. I mean, yeah I think everyone could make their own decision or, or will, you know, at some point make their own decision about her. But I, I, I realized at some point that I kind of had to, as weird as it sounds, like let her speak for herself. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really know where she lands yet. And, and I, I have a view, but I think I think readers might be mixed on whether she's, you know, is she good or is she bad? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've kind of, I have kind of let that rest. It's like a little bit weird to let it rest, but yeah. I, I, I found that pushing it, one direction or the other didn't feel right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess once a book's out there, it becomes every reader has their experience. It kind of becomes the reader's book. And
1: yeah, exactly. And I think that you kind of have to realize as a writer that the readers are going to come to it with just wildly different, you know, perspectives on, on how it, you know, what's, what's good, what's not, what characters are interesting or not, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just, it's, it's very subjective. It's amazing.
0: It strikes me that like, uh, espionage fiction is going to have kind of uh, like maybe a more complicated relationship with readers, some readers too, because like, who's against cowboys, right? Like a Western's kind of like, I mean, maybe, you know, like, yeah. like but, but some people are just, they have very strong feelings about how, how, whether, whether the 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 business as you put it is a good thing in the first place, or you know, right. there's a lot of like the last 20 years have obviously been complicated. Right. There's a lot of books, the nonfiction books, you know, about, yes torture and all like there's just so many perspectives on the work that happens within the world of espionage. And so people have complicated feelings. about Yeah, it.
1: no, that's, that's right. And I think my sense would be that most people picking up my book, if they even glance the bio, right. If they're not willing to listen to a story from a former, because they just hate the agency so much or feel like it's a, you know, it's a force for ill in the world. They're probably not the readers of this book, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: they're probably not, also not reading Charles Cummings or something.
1: Well, well, right. It was, well, and, and maybe they would be because he—he's not like they wouldn't look. Oh, yeah, it. I see, I see. Yeah. But you know, like, they just dislike you because you work there, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and I've—I've yeah. I've certainly gotten like a little bit of that of you know, okay, this is you know, raw Rossi high book from a guy who who used to work there. Yeah, um, David Petraeus on the yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, but. You know, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, you know, I have a I have a view on the institution and how it works and what it means yeah. and, and what it's yeah. like to work there. And I don't know. I think that's, yeah, it's a, it's a valid perspective. So.
0: so, okay. As someone who worked there, as someone who does love these novels and has read them yeah. since you were a kid, has your perspective on what you want out of a spy novel changed? Besides just, you want that little bit of verisimilitude. Um, or you could just answer the question, what are you looking for in a spy novel now that you're out so to speak <laughs>
1: Now that i'm out yeah i mean uh, i think it's you, you want a little bit of that verisimilitude, but I, I will say like i don't care if you get everything right and i don't i i think that sometimes it can distract like a, there's a lot of formers who write books uh or have manuscripts that aren't that good because they're overly wedded to how things actually work and that sometimes isn't super interesting so i think I honestly, I don't know. It's a, it's a simplistic answer, but it's true. I mean, when I pick up a spy novel and, and tear into it, I'm really looking for character. At the end yeah. of the day, yeah. I'm looking for an interesting character, you know, that I feel some connection to. Even if it's not that I like like them, but I'm interested in them. I want to be interested in what's going on, and I want to um, care about what happens to them in some way, shape, or form. You know, I want to see what's going to happen next. Like for me, yeah. that's the that's the number one uh, thing. So, you know, the most recent book that I'm, got on the nightstand, you know, uh, Russia House, uh, the Barley Blair character, who's this sort of, you know, dissolute Brit who's running a publishing house. Well, he's just a really interesting character. And yeah. I sort of, you know, I, I don't necessarily like respect the guy, but I'm interested in what's going on yeah. in his life and what he cares about. And I, I want to see what happens, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of, I think when I come to a book, that's the number one. That's the number one thing. More, more than more than plot or anything. It's just is there a character here that I can get engaged? in?
0: Do you have uh, anybody or any uh, books that you that you think are like kind of underrated in, in the espionage fiction world? Oh, underrated.
1: Like who who should we be reading and talking about more? So I don't know if it's underrated, but I do think because uh, he only wrote three books and he recently passed. Uh, Jason Matthews, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Red Sparrow. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, those books are just electric. Mm. And I was about halfway through Mass station when I read Red Sparrow for the first time, as a friend, you just threw your menus, book. you just threw your computer. Like, you're like, I'm I'm no. No, I mean, I, I read it and and I remember having the feeling of like, this is exactly what I, I, I want to be doing. Ah, yeah, this yeah. kind of book, like this yeah, is yeah. what I, you know, sometimes yeah. you read books. Like when I read Le Carré, I think like I could never do this. You know, the way he the way yeah. he, like it, it's yeah. it's actually like a very daunting experience to read him because you're like, I can't write like this. Yeah. And then sometimes you read other stuff and you're like, well, I could do better than this. And <laughs> yeah. when I read Matthews, my reaction was like, That's exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. Was like yeah. what this guy's doing. Yeah. Um
0: that's my aspiration right there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I wanna be I wanna be this guy. This is this is the spot in the genre that I want to occupy. Like this is my sensibility right here. Yeah. And it and I just I just loved his stuff, and he he unfortunately um, passed this year, hmm. um, so there won't be any more books. But I, I just I, I loved his stuff, and and think that he really brought a very he he did this wonderful blend of like it's dramatic and it's and and extreme in some cases, but then there's also this grounding of very similitude and the authenticity yeah. he brings from the agency career that I just I really loved. So.
0: I feel like, as someone who owns a bookstore, there's tons of spy fiction coming out. Yeah. Like every freaking Tuesday, there's also some new book of nonfiction <laughs> about the spy world. And I'm curious to know if there's any books out there that you think uh, really capture and explore in an accurate and adequate way what happens in that world, that business, as you put it earlier. Yeah. I know that yeah. if you, there's lots of books out there that are like, CIA takedowns or the right, you know, right. secret service takedowns or whatever. And then there's some that are like people were on the inside. This will be experienced, but like, what do you think is like the most accurate, you know, in, in terms of helping people understand, like I love spy fiction. Yeah. I've read a lot of nonfiction about it. I want to know
1: more about what really happens. What do I read? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you one that I just read that I thought was fantastic. And it's from the British standpoint, but it's, it's wonderful. Um, Ben McIntyre is the traitor and the spy. Mm. Uh, which is about the handling and the development, the handling, and then ultimately the defection of Oleg Gordievsky, who was a KGB colonel uh, in the in the seventies and eighties.
0: So that's that's legit. That book's legit. Is, I've heard extreme, good things. It
1: is extremely legit. Like he <laughs> he had access to. He's not clear in the he's not clear in the acknowledgments, but it, it seems pretty obvious that he had access to most of the Brits and to Gordievsky himself hmm. in, in actually writing the thing. Um, hmm. That book is like, I mean obviously it's old, right? Uh yeah, yeah. but but it is a very it's it's electric and then it's but it's also just very much like here's how here's how a, here's how an intelligence yeah. agency would Spot, assess, develop, recruit, and run an asset, um, which which is kind of the nuts and bolts of the business. I I, I couldn't yeah. recommend that one highly enough. Do you read uh, his second one? Is that Operation Mansmeet?
0: Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say second. He had an, another one come out more recently, and it's about I think it's from the perspective of a Russian, a female Russian spy. I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. I'll put it in the show notes for people, okay, but Ben McIntyre wrote it as yeah,
1: well. I, I honestly um, I'm I'm writing an exfiltration sequence in my current book and I've mm. heard from two or three formers that the exfiltration of Gordievsky is like a pretty good template mm. at least in open source. Yeah, that's how, how a spy agency how you actually get someone out of a hard target country. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is how I got turned onto it, and then my my wife, who you know is is a pretty avid reader, but like by no means a huge consumer of spy stuff, yeah. uh, read it in like two days. So mm. it's just it's all right. I'm it. moving up my list. Yeah, move it move it up the list. It's it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so that's one. What's another? You know, I, I've found this is sort of a side note that doesn't directly answer your question. Frustratingly, but um, I, there's a lot of conversations. Like, Conversation is. <laughs> there's, yeah, exactly. Conversation is a series of people not answering each other's questions. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> there's there's a lot of there, there's a lot of like memoir type stuff from senior agency guys that like deals with a lot of intelligence policy issues, but doesn't actually give you a perspective on what it's like what it's actually like to be in the business you know what i mean yeah so so that stuff is like it's it's interesting if you're thinking about the cia as like a foreign policy covert action like what you know sort of yeah
0: you know it's not uh, trade craft
1: (laughs) right right one that i would recommend um is a a, mem- is a memoir and it's sort of part, it's got part of the policy stuff, but then it's also got like real chapters from his experience in like training and running assets. Um, Douglas London came out with a book recently called The Recruiter, okay. uh, which cool. I think does a wonderful job of painting a picture of what it was like to grow up in the CIA and mm. um, what it was like to be in the CIA sort of transition from you know, really transition to running the the war on terror and being kind of the pointy spear in that. So I I Mm. would recommend that book as well. I think it's written from the perspective of a, gosh, I mean, I'm going to screw it up, but I mean, you know, almost 30 year history inside the CIA that he had.
0: So that's Douglas London's The Recruiter.
1: The Recruiter. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: So wait, when you're not reading spy stuff, what do you, what do you read? Like what are some of your other favorite novels? Ooh, let's see. So Or like what do you
1: kind of inspire you like? You, you I, I recently just got me Stephen Pressfield's Gates of Fire, which is a historical novel about um the Battle of Thermopylae. Which yeah. man, I mean that book is so damn good. It is
0: <laughs> You're the second I, person this week. It's only Wednesday to tell me about
1: <laughs> really okay. Yeah. So that that book is like that was the kind of book where I like my wife would be like, are you going to come to bed? I'm like, no, I'm going to stay up and read this book. And I, there were, there were points in that book. I'm not ashamed to say where I almost cried. Mm. Um, it was so, so beautiful. So that'd be one that I would say is just kind of like out totally outside the genre that I, yeah. I just, I really love. I'm about halfway through, Anthony Doerr is uh, yeah. all the light we cannot see. It. Yeah. I, I'm really enjoying it. Like his voice is is wonderful. I, yeah, I, I really love it. It's another one I've been reading. Oh, um, one I've read recently that also was wildly wonderful and unexpected was yeah. The Mongolian Conspiracy by Raphael Bernal. Have you read this? I have not. Okay, so it's a it's a um, Mexico City like Noir, written I think in 69, maybe.
0: Well, it sounds like it's up my alley, so I'm definitely gonna read it. And
1: these. it is phenomenal. <laughs> it is it is okay incredible. Um
0: the Mongolian conspiracy. You
1: should you should read it. It's it's not that long. It's just it's very it's extremely vulgar, uh, because the translation, there's a I I was reading some commentary on this, and I guess there's a Spanish word, which I I won't pronounce well, is like pinche, which I guess is like essentially translated as the word fucking, but is also used by like, it's almost like parents would, it's not as vulgar in a Mexican context, right? Like, Uh, but it's it's translated that like, that's the most accurate translation. And he says it all the time in the book. Um, but he's this very sort of crass, vulgar, like former hitman who's brought into this web of conspiracy and lies. And he's very like human at the same time. And it's just, it's, it's it's a wonderful story. I would highly recommend it.
0: Okay. Awesome. Okay. I got two questions left for you. Yeah. We, so people who are listening to this probably don't know that we've been having like <laughs> internet problems here. So I we gotta, I gotta let him get out of <laughs> here. Like, here bring before, them into
1: that. Before bit. it
0: happens again. Yeah. I think we should, I need I just need to kind of unpack some, some, uh, Interview trauma that I'm having right now, um do you what you have little kids? we were talking about yeah. this before we started recording uh do you, what do you like to read with your kids like do you, are you
1: guys big readers together? yeah, we are um I'm trying to get them away from so they could gravitate toward books that are like those like eyewitness or discovery books that are like hey, there's like a whole page with just a bunch of facts about animals right yeah yeah but am like give me a book with the story yeah. is my new thing at night. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're reading Frog and Toad right yeah, now yeah, nice. with my seven-year-old. Perfect. He's learning how to read. Perfect. So we're, we're into that, which is wonderful. Yep. Um, we're reading a lot of, a lot of Dr. Seuss. Cool. Um, we are reading, uh, my four-year-old wants us to read Stella Luna about the fruit bat on repeat <laughs> over and over and over again. As they do. Uh, those have been the rotations recently. I feel like I... I feel like they get stuck in a rut in some ways. Yeah, yeah, like the kids will bring the same books back, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and a lot, a lot of Curious George. These aren't these aren't original original answers on the kids, but it's kind of like those are I mean, those are like the the mainstays right
0: now. The thing about okay, one thing I learned about owning a, this this bookstore is that. What people want is the classics for the kids, and the kids want the class. Like they just go back to it right. over and over and over again. Right. It's like it's cool. That's right. <laughs> All right, before I let you go, I like to ask this very annoying question, that just drive people crazy, um, about sort of like a Mount Rushmore of books. And usually, I ask kind of a desert island, like what are you oh, taking gosh. with you. Okay. But in this case, I want to kind of ask you, what's your like four pack, your Mount Rushmore of what you think are like the essential spy novels? It could be like what you think people should read to get a sense of the genre, or it could just be like, these okay. are the four that I want to read. You decide how you want to answer that. Or you could be like, you want to make sure that, that you get you cover the the, cl- the classic authors. How many, you you get free reign on this, but four spy novels, four, four okay. spy novels uh that that you think are like everybody should read for whatever reason.
1: Okay. That is so hard. Okay.
0: Um Damascus Station.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And the next three books that I wrote. <laughs> Done. All uh, right. We'll see you later. Let's see. look Le hooray is the spy that came in from the cold.
0: Okay. Yep. Love that one.
1: Charles McCary, Tears of Autumn. What oh, book?
0: He's, so far. I'm right here with you. Like I'm feeling good right now. Yeah. Okay. Um that's the Kennedy one, right? Just making sure.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um Jason Matthews, Red Sparrow. Okay. This is a tough one. Um Are you a Fleming guy? Like, do you like those books? I don't. So I I honestly need to reread a few of them. Like, I haven't read all of them. Mm-hmm. And oh, I dabbled when I... Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> um, and I dabbled when I was in high school. Yeah. But I'm not... I I, I, I should go back and, and read them again.
0: Because... Yeah. I think they're pretty hit or miss. Like, some of them are really fun, but...
1: Yeah. Um, I might have to revise this later, but I'm going to go with um, Ignatius and Agents of Innocence. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, what's his first, uh, David Ignatius? David Ignatius, yeah. And, and that book, I think it came out in 87, or 80, like late 80s, um, is probably the closest thing you'll find to like actual any division. It, it basically what happened was there were a bunch of case officers or a few case officers who were involved in uh, running this asset who was in the PLO. And Ignatius basically got the story and turned it into a novel. And okay, I haven't read this one. So I don't gotta... it, it's, it's a good novel and it's completely, you know, it's very accurate. And that's called <laughs> Agents, of Agents of Innocence? Agents of Innocence.
0: Okay, so currently, as of this time, when I asked you this without any preparation, you would say Spy, yeah. Le Carre's Spy Who Came In From The Cold, Charles McCary's Tears of Autumn, Jason Matthews' Red Sparrow, and David Ignatius' Agents of Innocence
1: yeah although can i so let me change the le carré book actually for a second okay and i'm gonna so the spy that came here from the cold is one like is probably his like bedrock yeah. the one i would change it to is actually little drummer girl which is probably my favorite novel and i think for me it is probably his best representation of what like the complexities of actually running an agent and 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 recruiting them so let me let me change it to that okay but, that there's a little great one. On. Well, well, I think a lot of people smartphone. will have
0: read Spy, who came in from the cold. So, I throw yeah. a little drummer girl. Did you see the 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 uh,
1: FX series that they did on on Little Drummer Girl? Yeah, it was it, it was Hugh right and um, Alexander Skarsgård. Maybe? Yeah, yeah.
0: Florence Pugh is like made her a star.
1: Yeah, it, I I thought it was wonderful. Um, the night manager was also really good. I enjoyed the, that too. The Hugh Laurie one.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Dr. House. Um, we should do a whole uh, separate episode sometime and talk spy TV shows and spy movies and get your feedback yeah, on that.
1: Yeah, I, I would enjoy that. I mean, this is I love talking about this stuff.
0: All right, well, thank you. Okay, man, talk soon. That was David McCloskey. Uh, Damascus Station is available wherever books are sold right now. Please do order from your local bookshop, but if you'd like to order from ours, you can head to bookshop.org slash shop slash Goldberry Books. This has been bibliography. I'm David Kern. Thanks for listening. Hope you found a book or two to add to your to-be-read list. Until next time, happy reading.